American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Now, one might think that the founder of General Motors would be like Henry Ford, a mechanic, someone really interested in building things, and that person couldn't have been more wrong. The founder of General Motors was a man named William Durant, who was a salesman, a salesman with almost no ability to build anything. In 1885, William Durant was a 24-year-old insurance salesman in Flint, Michigan. He bought a patent for a two-wheeled cart with a friend of his who was a salesman at a local hardware shop. But instead of the two of them going in and building these carts together, they subcontracted it out to local mechanics. Flint was the center of the carriage trade at that point, so they were abundant. And because they did this, they could concentrate on what they did best, selling. And so they set up distributorships across the country. Now, as these carts became more successful, they decided to invest their money in other kinds of cart-related technologies, um, you know, wheels, axles, things like that. But never did they set up their own factories. They always subcontracted out the assembly to other people. And so Durant had this experience of being able to run a transportation company without actually having any factories, focusing on selling. For him, sales were at the core of this new kind of transportation. By the late 1890s, Durant was a millionaire, and he wasn't interested in living in Flint, Michigan anymore. And so he moves to where the other millionaires are, New York City. Now, while he's there, he realizes that there is a new technology that may be threatening his cart empire, the automobile. And he also realizes that a lot of the companies that are developing automobiles are run by mechanics who have no sense of business whatsoever. And so many of these mechanics build factories that quickly go out of business. And this is where Durant first goes into the automobile business, when he buys up the assets of a bankrupt company called Buick in 1904. Now for Durant, Buick is important. It assembles the cars, but it also has this tremendous synergy with his existing distribution network of cart peddlers. So that it's very hard to convince people to spend money on a car when they first come about. After all, cars are unreliable, they don't work, they're gassy, they're strange. It's very different than a horse. You can tell if a horse will work or not because it's not dead. Now Durant, like Ford, imagined a quickly expanding market for the automobile. But unlike Ford, he was very comfortable with the mechanisms of finance. And he idolized his hero, J.P. Morgan. He wanted to quickly consolidate the industry under his control, just like J.P. Morgan had brought about consolidation in the steel industry. And so he sets about doing just that, expanding, buying out the competition. And he does it not with cash, but with stock swaps. As his company became much more successful, he could swap a share of his stock for many shares of another company. And so using this mechanism of finance, he quickly consolidates an empire of car manufacturers. He even offers Ford $3 million, but Ford refuses because he wants it all in cash and not stock. Durant is a wild optimist, and so if Ford is using all of his profits to continue to build up his own internal production. He, Durant uses all of his resources to expand as quickly as possible, building as much inventory as he possibly can. 
1910, there is a slight drop in demand for cars, and suddenly he can't make payroll. Everything starts to fall apart, and his suppliers and his and bankers call in all the loans that he's gotten from him, Thema. Durant is forced out. And so the man who built the empire is pushed out. The man who paid very high dividends so that his stocks were worth so much money so he could swap them is forced out. And once in control, the bankers bring an era of austerity to General Motors. They bring retrenchment. They cut the dividends. They cut the expansion. They try to bring order to the wild sprawl that was William Durant. Now, Durant was out, but he wasn't down. He teams up with a fast French car racer named Louis Chevrolet, and together they try to bring a European-style car to America. It does very well. And they incorporate in Delaware, which now has very favorable corporate laws that allow them to buy stock in other companies directly. And they sets about reconsolidating his empire. In fact, within a few years, he's making money on Chevrolet, and his stock is doing very well. In the meantime, those bankers who were so focused on austerity had dropped the, shot, the price of their stock in General Motors to about a quarter of what it was during Durant's era. All Durant had to do was make an announcement to the shareholders of General Motors. So he offers five shares of Chevrolet for every share of General Motors. People come with briefcases filled with stock certificates to his offices, begging him to swap for his stock, which actually produces good dividends. In 1915, he owns the majority of the company and, as the majority stockholder, retakes control of his firm. Durant is back in control, and he's running things his way, and so that means expanding as fast as possible. And so he begins to do exactly what he did before, spreading his empire, buying out companies. Now, one of the companies that he buys in 1960 is a very excitingly named company called the Hyatt Roller Bearing Company. Yes, I know, roller bearings. This is what you've all been here to find out about. Now, the company itself is not important, but the man who ran the company is, an engineer trained at MIT named Alfred Sloan. Now, Sloan takes half of his payment in cash and half in stock and goes to work for Durant. Now, his part of the GM empire is well run. It's organized. You can actually know how much money is coming in and how much money is going out. He's methodical. He brings engineering methods to management. And this is something very rare in 1916. Now, at the same time, Durant doesn't really care about operations. He doesn't really care about efficiency. He just wants to make sure money is coming in so he can keep growing. He believes, like people did uh, in the 19th century, that by consolidating like U.S. Steel, they could make tons of money. Unfortunately for him, along comes the recession of 1920. And again, he's hit with too much in inventory. And again, suppliers, this time the DuPont family, and the DuPont Corporation step in to make good his debts. Durant is ousted, and this time he is both out and down. He never comes back. The DuPonts are now left with this mess of William Durant's sprawling empire, and they look into it trying to find someone who actually knows how to run a business, and there they find Alfred Sloan. Alfred Sloan, who comes out of roller bearings, 
he actually saves General Motors. He comes up with a method to bring order to the madness, to bring organization to this immense number of different kinds of product lines. He creates something called the multi-divisional corporation, or the M-form corporation, that defines what a corporation would look like in the 20th century. It allows all these different product lines to be efficiently run from a central financial operation. And what it means is that he can effectively coordinate production with sales. So that instead of Durant, who focused just on sales, or Ford, who focused just on production, Alfred Sloan realizes that no one man can be in charge of so vast an enterprise. And so he is able to set up structures and organizations that allow this kind of totality to exist. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Mm-hmm.